Well, everyone wants to know, will the economy boom or bust in 2024? Well, today, we're going to tell you about it. We're going to look at a range of expert opinions and predictions from the shifting trend housing prices to the looming question of a potential recession that seems to be lingering over us. And of course, the stock market crash. We always got to ask about that as well. So we're going to balance the discussion. We're going to share some optimistic and some pessimistic perspectives from a bunch of different sources. And we'll also let Tim weigh in on both what he agrees and disagrees with, plus his expectations for the year ahead. So it should be a great episode. Stay tuned. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Well, glad to have you inside the Retirement Power Play podcast. I'm Ben George with Tim Dyer, wealth manager at Dyer Wealth Management. And Tim, it's, uh, it's a new year. And I'm, do you get this question a lot? Hey, what, what do you expect this year, Tim? Maybe maybe more so in the last couple of years because things have been so volatile, maybe? Yeah, well, that's certainly one of the top questions we get at the beginning of the year, followed by, you know, can you write me another check? Because <laughs> I wrote 23 on this one or, the, you know, whatever <laughs> check I'm writing to somebody for something. Anyways, uh, I just had to do that twice this morning in a row. Um, but a hey, good fun there. But it's funny because the last few episodes, we're talking about some of the key timelines for the end of 2023 and some things that needed to get done from a retirement planning perspective, from a tax perspective. And then, you know, we sort of disappear into the holiday season for a few days and uh, boom, now all of a sudden we're talking about this sort of 365-day view from here, right? Yeah. Um, and it's a natural thing to do. It's kind of like in school, we get report cards, that check in along the way of how we're doing. So... That's kind of where we are now. There's some topics that are certainly top of mind uh, that we'll dig into here on today's show, and and those will change throughout the year. But every year, there's some things that are on people's mind, and uh, it's always interesting to kind of see how they play out. Yeah, we've got three kind of key areas today we'll focus on, beginning with housing prices. I know housing has kind of been a big topic of conversation the last couple of years, especially with the way mortgage rates have were at a sub three, you know, two years ago, mm-hmm. then they've shot up to eight, close to 9%, now coming back down a little bit. So housing mm-hmm. prices in 2024, what will it look like? Well, let me give you optimistic and pessimistic views and let you weigh in, Tim. Mm-hmm. So first, Always optimistic. two sides, every story, right? <laughs> Always. And then there's the truth, right? Um, right. Optimistic view first from a, from a chief economist at the National Association of Realtors. He believes mm-hmm. that a housing crash is out of the picture. His comment was that there are nearly zero forced distressed sales and homeowners are in fine shape with housing wealth and low monthly mortgage payments that are locked in and not impacted by inflation. So a lot of the experts are pointing to low inventory as one of the reasons prices will stay stable or even go higher in 2024. Now, the other side of this, you got some of the uh, largest real estate companies have had added their predictions for house appreciation. And even the more pessimistic forecasts like Redfin's, they have a 1% decline, Realtor.com, uh, so right around a 2% dip. Mm-hmm. They, they say things are pretty flat for the most part. So even the pessimistic view says, okay, things will kind of hover where they are. But the optimistic view says, hey, we could see a bit of, a, of an increase here. What do you think? Well, yeah, those are two different views. And, and um What's interesting is it's also going to matter where you are in the country. We're here in La Jolla or San Diego, California, and I mean, the real estate is a big, big topic here. And again, I I know that translates across the country, but you've got a a massive question on people's mind. You know, do you, do you cash out at the high? Do you cash out, move to a more affordable state? 
if you do, will you ever be able to come back and afford it? Some of those types of things. What was interesting about the uh, the economists that you mentioned is, you know, I think you mentioned there's zero or nearly zero forced distress sales. And that's different than what we saw in 2008, right, where you had people with little income or no income or rogue income, you know, buying uh, five, ten houses with nothing down. I mean, that doesn't exist now. We're in this we're in the sort of a, a gridlock paradox now where people are not moving because it's expensive to move, right? It, they, they'll, they'll trade a, a, mortgage, a 3% mortgage in for a 7% mortgage, right, wherever mm-hmm. rates are at the time. And so that, that creates a hurdle. And it also creates this gridlock because if you haven't purchased a home and you're looking to buy, well, you know, 6, 12 months ago, your payment was looking at half of what it is now, assume all things being equal, right, from 3 to 3, 3.5 to 7%. So it's created some some stalling out there. The pessimistic side, um, it's funny too. We, we think about weighing in from some of those r- large real estate companies like Redfin or what is it, Zillow and yeah, things like that. I know people that check that more than they check their, their stock accounts every day, <laughs> which I think is a little wild. But uh, it was Buffett that used to be like, you know, be more like your real estate. You don't need to look at the price of your home every day. Well, that's before Redfin came out. <laughs> But you know they're they're seeing they're taking some averages and they do take some weighted averages based on the different areas. But you know one percent decline or one percent dip is is not a crash, right? It's just sort of a temporary pricing adjustment. So look, I think I think interest rates and this is just a you know opinion. But the Federal Reserve has come out and said, okay, right now we're kind of leveling off. Um, we've got inflation at this point tamed. Um, we've had a little retreat back, but it, and it's still not at those sort of eye-popping levels that we saw a year ago, year and a half ago. But so we we might see interest rates come, you know, level off or come down a, a tad this year, which which could get some of that activity moving again in the housing market, which would help offset you know any fears of a crash. Additionally, look, there are people out there still building homes, um, and it might be in different neighborhoods and whatnot, but that. Uh, not refi. I was going to say that remodel boom that we all went through in COVID, where you're kind of sitting around <laughs> and the only thing you could do is sort of fix up your house. Yeah, you know that's that's waning a little bit. Now we're seeing some statistics that are saying, okay, you know these these homes that are being built, some supply is coming online. Uh, now that'll be met with demand. Those people that have sort of been waiting to buy homes that haven't been able to either because the prices were too high, wasn't enough supply. It's it's a quagmire, you know, and, and there's a lot of different ways to play it. Everybody's circumstance is different, but you know, housing prices. I guess I'll kind of round it out with this: that housing prices create the the wealth effect, right? If people's homes are kind of at the higher end, the old oh, the house down the street sold for this, and my house is better, you know, that that gives the I guess I'd call it the illusion or the confidence that you know things are good, and it sometimes propels people to make. You know, decisions which could be more transactions in the real estate market, which wouldn't be a, which wouldn't lead to a crash. Yeah, that's a good point. And and you know, you know, to keep and keep all these opinions and take them with a grain of salt. But just keep in mind from from last year, even Zillow was predicting a six percent appreciation in twenty twenty three. Even as late as the summer, they were still saying that, and we ended with a, approximately a ten percent decline. So. Again, these predictions, they are what they are. All right, what about a recession? We've been hearing that word for quite a bit of time now. So what are the chances in 2024? Well, 
A North Carolina State economics professor wrote that he thinks there will be two different economies this year. The first half of 2024 will be challenging, perhaps including a mild recession, while the second half will be the opposite with a rebound in economic growth, moderating inflation, and finally lower interest rates. And he's actually calling 2024 the year of two economies. You see it playing out like that? (laughs) Yeah, this is an interesting one because we have to start off by asking what even is a recession because the definition of that seemed to change recently. True, very um, true. I know that historically the, I guess the rule of thumb was two declining quarters of uh, GDP calculated recession. But I, I think, you know, when we think about the recession potential in 2024, investors and you know, consumers here in the United States have had kind of a roller coaster ride the last 12 months, right? We've seen price of eggs and we've seen, or groceries. Um, you've seen the price of energy, oil, gas at the pump, all those things go up. But it, I think when you, when you talk about a split market, I actually think instead of it being like a split market in the beginning, I think you had mentioned that, uh, the guru or whatever was talking about the economy said the first half was going to be challenging. The second half is going to be good yeah. to simplify. Um, I don't really think of it that way. I think of it more along the lines of the economy is going to be split for the whole year, meaning some sectors are going to do really well and some sectors are not. And I'll, I'll kind of give you an analogy on or an example on, on how this might play out. I think everybody's talking about artificial intelligence, AI, and that's going to be disruptive, just like all the other things that we've seen, like Netflix and Uber and whatnot. Right. It's already here, right? It's not something on the distance. It's already here. But that's going to re- – you're seeing companies like NVIDIA that are just up an eye-popping amount on performance because of this boom. Um, and we're not recommending the stock, but I'm just saying it's, it's been a better factor of that. And yet – some other areas um, of the economy, you know, that's affecting maybe in a negative way, right? And so, well, I, don't, I personally don't think energy is, is going to have, you know, the headwinds that it had the last year particularly. But when we think about all the different sectors out there, whether it's financial, technology, healthcare, uh, consumer staples, con- you know, these are the S&P major sectors, materials, industrials, uh, telecommunications. I don't think they all just sort of rise and fall together. I think you're, I think the winners are going to win. And I think the, you know, the sectors that are lagging behind are going to, you know, continue to struggle a little bit. And so, you know, my prediction is, and who knows, but uh, I think that the way we're positioning is to really just kind of focus on sectors um, and areas or whether it's stocks or funds or ETFs that are showing strength Uh, Because the overall economy might end up being in a recession, but there's still opportunities out there to take advantage of. There always will be, right? There always will be opportunities out there to take advantage of. So, again, as we go through this, if you have questions, you can always get in touch with Tim, 858-459-3937. What about the stock market in 2024? Last year was pretty solid, right, overall. Um, Let's get two opinions here. First, optimistic side. Investment firm CEO Jay Hatfield said things are looking good for stocks in 2024. His comments from a recent CNBC article point out that the recent economic data validates our theory that 2024 will be the year rate cuts, and that's very bullish for stocks. Um, on the pessimistic side, Harry Dent says, we're in store for a crash of epic proportions. I think mm-hmm. 2024 is going to be the single biggest single crash year we'll see in our lifetime. So how can we have two viewpoints that are so 
incredibly different. Well, that's what makes markets, right? <laughs> this is the, re, uh, the Retirement Power Play podcast, right? And then we, we love our sports here. So, uh, hey, there's no Bruins without Rangers or, or Canadian, Montreal Canadiens. But I had to throw my hockey comment in there. Got to. Um, okay, look, talking about optimistic pessimism in the stock market, I've been doing this a long time. You mentioned this earlier when we were talking about recession. You got to take this stuff with a grain of salt, right? Big banks, uh, brokerage firms, investment banks, hedge funds, whatever it is, they all put out predictions and projections for the year as far as the stock market, where it might finish at the end of the year. And they they do that, honestly, Ben, f- primarily for entertainment purposes, right? Their clients want it. And so they, they give it, but they know whether they say it publicly or not that you know it really is just a guess, right? Uh, economics or economists, they say, make predictions to make astrologists look smart, I think was the old <laughs> quote that somebody said. Um, but going back to the, the stock market, let's rewind the clock and go back to 2023. If, if people remember going into 2023, the perception of the conversations we were having at the beginning of the year is a lot of people were negative, right? A lot of the yeah. economists and the analysts that are out there were calling for a negative year in the stock market. Because we knew we were going to get higher interest rates. The Federal Reserve announced that, and so that was a headwind. As, as we just mentioned, that rate cuts are historically very bullish for stocks. Well, we had the opposite last year. Well, last year was one of the better years on record, right? We had a 20-plus uh, or 24% uh, rate of return on the S&P, a little higher with dividends included. But uh, the other thing is I do have to kind of throw this out there. Harry Dent, who you mentioned, is a um, very – What's the word? Uh, colorful um, <laughs> analyst, if we want to call him that. Um, he's in an interesting space. He, ta- he used to talk a lot about demographics, and there was some good research in there back in the day. But he kind of falls into that. The broken clock is always right, in my opinion. Twice a day, you know, if you if you call gloom and doom at, at some point, you know, you have a market that may resemble that. But um, you know, what we were talking about in our year-end meetings with clients is to really be prepared. And this is a little bit counterintuitive thinking from, or, or I'll call it unconventional thinking. But be prepared for what happens if things go right. You know, every, it, people always seem to be there's a black cloud, there's something that's going to happen that's going to ruin the market, Ukraine or inflation or, uh, you know, all these types of things. Uh, and yet the market moves higher. And, and that could happen again. You know, interest rates level off and go down. That historically has been pretty good for stocks. But we may be starting to see the beginning of another, um, I guess we'll just call it a bullish business cycle because of some of the changes that we're seeing, uh, whether it's political, we've got things like currency and, and you know, globalization of Bitcoin and, and digital currency. You know, we've got tax rates. So there's a lot of things that are on the, the horizon, but they don't have to all be bad. And the market you know, it may correct at some point, but it also may do so from, say, I'll just throw a number, 20% higher. So if you get a correction from here, that's one thing. If you get a correction from a lot higher, it's another thing. So uh, I think people went into 2023 pessimistic, and I think they're going into 2024 again. I think they're they're far too pessimistic based on the current, you know, economic trends. We talked about housing. Housing's got some some gridlock there, but the floor isn't going to fall out where you're going to have an entire neighborhood that's just empty yeah. with multi-million dollar homes and all the copper has been stole out of it, right? Like that's not the scenario that we're in right now. Earnings, S&P earnings, 
you've got projections and then we've got the actual earnings from, you know, 2023 that are coming out now. So the, you know, these aren't falling off a cliff. I mean, if, if they don't grow as fast as somebody wants them to, that's one thing, but it still doesn't mean that that pie isn't getting bigger. So, you know, last year was a good year and, and, and there's no reason to be pessimistic and not think that this can't be another one with all the cards that we have on the table right now. Yeah, there's no question. And you know, these are just three of the areas that people are asking about and, and paying attention to heading into 2024. If you have any questions or need help with your retirement planning or your investment management, uh, get reach out to Tim at Dyer Wealth Management. You can call him at 858-459-3937. Is there anything else that you're keeping an eye on this year, Tim, as you look ahead? I don't need any predictions, but anything that you're that's kind of piquing your interest <laughs> this year? Well, I've joked around before. Listen, I'm I'm um, I'm going down to Costco. <laughs> with a forklift, and I'm going to get a pallet of Orville Redenbacher popcorn. Okay, <laughs> and I'm going to wheel that thing back to my house, and you know, turn on some of the. I'll probably get three monitors with the financial media or the the political, you know, some of that stuff, and uh, you know, get out the proverbial popcorn and kind of sit back and watch because it's it's going to be look, it's going to be interesting. It's uh, it's supercharged. Maybe that brings us kind of closer to a resolution because there's some fatigue out there, some political fatigue. I've talked about, too, in our year-end meetings that this is an election year. There's gridlock, and gridlock is, is a bad thing if you're trying to get somewhere on the highway. But it isn't a terrible thing when it comes to investing because it removes some of those outliers of just weird things that can happen that can spook the market. Everything kind of gets in a little bit tighter range. And so, and historically, and that, again, anything can happen, but... You know, as as where we sit, I'm uh, optimistic of 2024. <laughs> I don't have to rewrite that check, right? <laughs> um, but uh, we're happy to discuss, you know, anybody's specific um, issues as it relates to that. And just make sure that they've got the bulletproof plan uh, to weather whatever happens, because that's all we can do is control what we can control. All right, very good. Well, if you have questions again, don't hesitate to reach out, 858-459-3937. But we'll be keeping an eye on all these things a year ahead and obviously talking about things as they change. And We'll have our popcorn ready with you, Tim. Appreciate the time, as always, here on the Retirement Power Play podcast. Have a good week. Talk to you soon. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dire Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dire Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dire Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.